Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Today, I'm delighted to have Penny Power, OBE, on the podcast. Penny is a pioneer in creating online communities for business people. With her husband, Thomas, she created eAcademy in 1998, the first business social network, which became home to over 650,000 business owners, including me at that time <laughs> as well. But then Penny's journey took a dramatic turn when they lost eAcademy in 2012 after 14 years of operation, getting disrupted by LinkedIn, which actually launched four years later than the Academy and frustratingly ended up leading to Penny and Thomas having to close its doors. So today we'll be discussing how Penny navigated the personal side of the problems that came with that loss, including those that impacted cash flow, but also her unique approach to stress management and resilience and her exciting ongoing entrepreneurial journey and the amazing things she's doing now. Penny, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's great summary. That is a great summary. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. Very open talk. So I know this is going out live as well. So yeah, you know, strap strap yourself to your seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it. Well, um, let's let's dive into that initial part of the story that I alluded to, because in your entrepreneurial journey, you know, I mentioned when I first reached out to you, Penny, that you and Thomas were heroes of mine because I remember being a member of Academy back in the, those early days. So talk us through that journey, like what led you to start Academy, what happened in those first 14 years, and uh, yeah, that kind of journey from your perspective. I'll try and keep it succinct. So mm -hmm. there's a lot to talk about, I know. But um, yeah. basically, if anybody can remember 1998, the internet was just really emerging. I suppose it was It's quite similar to the the, you know, the conversations around blockchain and Web3 and AI now, where people are sort of thinking, well, where's this going? But mm. we're aware it's happening. Um, but in 98, things that many people in the UK might remember, Friends Reunited, they hadn't started. LinkedIn hadn't started. Facebook, Twitter. So there wasn't any of these. And the motivation to start this was not financial, which sounds a bit strange. But I was at home with three little kids under five. I was doing some interim work. I've always been in the tech industry. Thomas, my husband, was working hard in the e-procurement and uh, e-commerce area, helping American firms come over to the UK and helping them build teams and things and doing a lot of public speaking. And he was the entrepreneurial person, not me. I'd always had very good positions in companies um, and always looked over the, you know, the fence at entrepreneurs. And as somebody who doesn't take risk, very cautious, Scottish parents, um, quite a... Uh, careful upbringing um the entrepreneurial world looked pretty frightening to me but i really admired it and um just one day i said to thomas we were having a pizza this whole internet thing doesn't really excite me as a revolutionary thing in that companies will always find a route to market and you know the, the actual workings of a business will always find a way through but what excites me is there's an opportunity for people to connect with one another as friends and he thought that was quite a good idea. And he said, well, who would you want to connect? And I said, I'd love to connect business owners like you. And obviously, I was really aware of how hard it was being a business owner to connect with people deeply. So I, I really believed in people having deep, open conversations and being friends in business, which is still my value base now. And um, so we started Academy. I started it. I got it going. 
I was very lucky. One of my clients that I had at the time offered to put a quarter of a million pounds in very early on. Um, the previous, some previous work I'd done, I knew somebody who could be the CTO, just assembled this little team. And it was within six months um, we were able to launch a sort of very basic site in 98. You can imagine there was no code off the shelf, so everything was um, self-coded, which meant we could really bespoke it. And Thomas, being the most phenomenal connector of people, one of his amazing skills, he was able to really brief us on what would he want if he was seeking something like this. And then very quickly, um, the CEO who had put the money in, because I didn't want to be CEO, I was... That wasn't my role. I felt I could be ambassadorial and manage the community culture, get to know the members, which is what I love to do. Um, he actually found opportunities for us to go on, uh, on AIM. There was a big gold rush going on at the time. Lastminute.com, Martha Lane Fox, Brent Hoberman, lots of the contacts that we knew that were all in the London scene. Um, and then the two days before we were due to go on stock market, lastminute.com went out. And then the market crashed and a lot of people will shake with that memory. Yeah. And it was really interesting because not only did it crash, uh, not helping us, but also huge numbers of the members that we had who all were walking around with business cards that were like lottery tickets. They thought they were going to win, you know, millions yeah. of pounds one day. Um, so it was a really interesting time. And then really we just continued building and growing organically from that point. We really believe and there was no such thing as SaaS software as a service then mm -hmm. but you know we believed in subscriptions we believed in you know the term fake identities wasn't around then but we knew that people could fake themselves we knew mm -hmm. quite early on there were some pretty disgusting people that we wouldn't want in the community and we knew that creating a safe space for our members was really important so we charged ten dollars ten pounds ten euros a month never really wanted to go the advertising route because that interrupted the flow of conversation. And we built it all over the world. And there were, that is heyday, 650,000 members, um, 5,000 events a year, some really great features. And yes, you know, Reid Ho um, Ho um, Hoffman that started LinkedIn was one of our members. And actually when he launched LinkedIn, we emailed all of our members and we shouted a lot about LinkedIn as this is a network, a, a utility that you really need to have a profile on, even to the point of view of teaching people how wow. to use it. So we never saw LinkedIn or indeed Facebook when they came on. So LinkedIn started 2002, Facebook 2004. Neither of those did we see as being a disruptor to us. Um, what disrupted us was actually people's behavior and people wanted to move from social networking to social media. And right. that really started when things like YouTube and people starting to understand about blogging. Yeah. Um, then it became um, difficult because people didn't want to have deep conversations and they weren't interested in their emotional well-being by having a sense of belonging or attachment to anything. So, um, you know, it just became harder and harder because and this is for anybody out there that has a dream and a belief of set of values. If markets change no matter how much you still believe in it. And I do think it's going full circle. We have a lot of applications to join our community now. We have a lot of businesses asking us to help build community because what the internet has done is it's disconnected us emotionally mm. and created a lot of loneliness. But we you had to go through a whole series of hell coming out of that, um, a lot of entrepreneurial lessons in that journey. Um, no regrets, but definitely has been a very 
difficult experience. Yeah, and, and thank you for, for sharing it, Penny, because I think that um, for a lot of business owners, even talking about cash flow and the and the problems that can come with it and uh, being disrupted or uh, being worried about competitors or uh, you know just the worry of what happens if if you're not successful um, is often taboo in its own right I think for a number of reasons one because of what you the worry of what it might signal to um, uh, suppliers customers friends family um, but also often in the in the business building stage it's a lot about talking about purpose and it's about talking about in your in your mission and so on and yet at the same time there can be other things going on that that risk that so it's it's a really tricky um uh place that i think is often not talked about too much so i, I was keen to kind of dive in a little bit into that and then i want to move into some personal strategies uh, that um i know that yeah. Yeah, you know you've become an expert on including and sharing in your book but if we could start with when it became like in those last few years of eCademy, like what what did you see what what were the kind of symptoms what did you start to see and what were the actions that you had to then take and and what what impact did that have on um you and thomas personally mm, gosh loads of questions there um we were so the last four years were really difficult our ceo um who wasn't the same investor the investor that we originally had when we didn't float in the stock market he had a lot of difficulties with his wife and the investment he'd made and um we ended up buying his shares back which was interesting because we had to dig even deeper to buy his shares back and um and then we actually promoted our cto um to ceo um and he was a great gatekeeper of it all um a a really super chap um learning what it meant to be a ceo um and i would say he wasn't as purposeful as thomas and i were about the business um but he therefore he was very good at looking at the money and Mm. you know managing that side of it but it must have been very stressful for him um, because Thomas and I were fueled by the purpose and it was yeah. easy to put our head in the sand just seeing you know the impact we were having on the people that were really engaged and it was significant and so you know when you look at our neurological needs our neuroscience you know you look at you know our dopamine was flooding our serotonin was flooding because we were giving loads of love to people we were connecting lots so our oxytocin was strong you know we actually the ingredients that keep you mentally strong were, we were full of that. Um, and it probably did mean that we were in some ways blinded. We were offered a, a, an acquisition by um, a German company that was had come after us, but was running a community, well, a network. We turned it down. And financially, that was probably now in hindsight, a really stupid thing to do. I tell you the reason we turned it down is that at, at Heathrow Airport, um at uh, the hotel there to have the discussion and they very honestly told us that they were just going to close it they just found we an us an irritant across europe and an irritant to their growth and so this is the dilemma that any entrepreneur has about what they what they dream and what they see into the future and the impact they're wanting to have and to me so many of the bit the the members this was their home. Our blog site was the largest in the world. So it was 
Guardian, which was then became the biggest business blog site, it, it, ours was the largest, and actually it was highly SEO. So anybody that wrote a blog was getting so much business because they were number one on on the page and Google. Not only that, obviously they loved the support and the mentoring they were getting from each other and um, and the learning and things. And to mm. close that place, it just felt too much responsibility to do it. So we voted against that. Um, and then the, the, we decided, then it became, it was becoming more and more financially challenging. And we realized that in order to survive, we were going to have to pivot. And so we went to um, Clydesdale Bank and borrowed some money to enable us only a small amount but enable us to get through a five-year process of a little bit extra money and at that time we by then had given up our home so we couldn't leverage that loan against our home so the terms were really severe and they were very severe against Thomas and I and the income we could take um, but we were managing and we've carried on through about another three years on that basis but obviously us incurring huge financial challenges in our personal life three kids at personal private school and just the costs of life and often finding that we were needing to put extra money into the business as well as well as not taking income from it um and then um but we were surviving and we were turning it around getting some advertisers reducing um the subscribers increasing the number of people not paying and it all was turning around and then Clydesdale Bank sent us 29 days notice to pay off the final two years. And they did this to over 600,000 people, apparently, I'm saying. And I want to say apparently in case, but yeah. um, I know there's been a class action against them. So, um, and, but they were being sold. They were selling, they were, Clydesdale Bank was selling and they needed mm -hmm. to improve their balance sheet. And there was a clause that enabled them to do that. They didn't do anything illegal. Um, but we had 29 days then uh, to try and save the business. And I think that 29 days was when I really lost my head. <laughs> when I look back, it's almost like I see a ghost of myself running around London, try going in and out of some of the cruelest um, of people who were basically like buying up um, distressed companies. And they're not the nicest, in my experience, people. Um, and eventually we found somebody that would do that. And we were very thrilled that it meant that the Academy would keep going. Um, awful for us, um, but it meant the Academy would keep going. Um, so, um, but within a very short space of time, changed the brand name. Um, a lot changed. Didn't, didn't want us to stay on it at all to manage the culture, which I always find interesting. That was never... And and it became a very different business. Um, and the day we saw the brand name change was a really interesting day because I was very upset. It was like, it felt like a little death. Thomas was jumping for joy because he said, well, we'll no longer be associated with, what anything with happens. whatever happens next. Yeah. You know, um, because our, if it had carried on, our brand would be very, very linked to it. So in that, what the lessons is a huge amount of emotion when you build a business mm. that's pioneering and evangelistic and purposeful and it's very hard to look at the cold, hold, the cold facts when you ha are in that situation. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think, I mean, firstly, again, thank you for for sharing that because the um, the I think the detail does matter. I think that for people to really get their head around um, how that can feel, where you can end up, and particularly. Um, I, I, I know so many people who have been in that situation of chasing it down, right? Where yeah. um, 
it, you know, exactly in the situation that you described where you say, you know, we knew that things weren't looking great. It's not like you're painting a picture of, oh, we could just see just around the next corner, then everything's great financially. It's that you're pursuing it on the basis of purpose and what you're doing for community. And so I suspect that in your situation, if if I could have, you know, if someone could have come along, come along and said, here's what the future looks like. It doesn't become a ra uh, raging financial success, but it stays static and you can carry on doing amazing things for, for people. I suspect you'd have been over the moon with that. That would have been a, a good result because albeit that it doesn't do, a, you know, become a unicorn, it would have continued doing amazing things. And I think the problem, as you say, is when you're when you're so passionate about it, then not being able to see the financials to go along and having to chase it down is so painful. I mean, how did you manage the personal stress of dealing with dealing with the the business side of it, but also the significant cash cash challenges that you had? As you said, at that point, you'd have to you'd have to uh, give up the house. You'd have to secure um, debt ag against you personally. What? How were you able to to deal with that, and what have you learned since then to to be able to build that kind of level of resilience? Because for some people right now listening that might be in their own version of that, perhaps perhaps their business is getting disrupted by AI right now, for example, they'll be in their own version of that, and it might be the first time they've had to deal with that. So, like, what? Yeah, yeah. How how do you? I think you that? have to be brave enough to really stare it in the face. That's the first thing. And the first thing I did, I called it my monster spreadsheet. And I literally had a, a spreadsheet that had, so all of our debt was to credit card companies. And I just listed all of them. I mean, people say, why didn't you go bankrupt? And we could yeah. have. We could have gone personally bankrupt. And actually, bankrupt terms are not that challenging nowadays. However, there was a sense, Thomas and I quite got a high, quite high morals I suppose I don't know for us personally I'm not judging anyone else I didn't we didn't feel that we could go out and be business people if we had not confronted this challenge that we had in front of us and um, we wanted to pay it back I mean I was brought up as I said by Scottish parents and we lived in a little village and I had to you know, if we, I went by a pint of milk and I'd cycled two miles to it, if I was one P under, my mum would drive me, make me cycle all the way back with that one P, even though the lady in the shop babysat for us, you know, she, she knew us so well. You know, I was, debt was not something that I was comfortable with. And, mm. and as I said, right at the beginning, you know, my, I was not, a, I was a risk adverse person. Um, so, you know, I created this monster spreadsheet and it, and literally it had the months of the year across the top. Um, and it had all the, the debt and then we had the layer of income and how much of our income could from work we were now doing could be proportioned to set paying off the debt. And it took from um, 2012 to 2018 to pay off the, the, the one and a half million plus, obviously, our, our, the income that we needed to survive. So we, we you know, we went into an abundant situation with consulting and speaking and another business that I created um, and we very proud got to 2018 and you know we sat by our fire in our sitting room and 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 burnt the spreadsheet printed it off and burnt it nice. and uh, that was very special that was a really special moment so I think it's you just gotta you've gotta you've really got to look at your cash flow and you've got to see what are you doing with that cash flow and the other thing is 
you know, I wrote this book, Business is Personal, in 2018. And it was a point at which not only have we gone through financial stress, we've gone through a huge amount of personal traumas in our family and extended family. And it was 2018, I decided, right, um, Thomas actually got cancer and he was going through chemo. And I decided I need to have a little bit of a, a moment to look at this huge journey, which had not just the stress hadn't just started in 2012. It had been years right. leading up to that. And um, and part of it was just thinking, you know, business is personal. And somebody had once said to me, it was actually an investor in the second business I started. It's not personal penny. It's just business. And I think that is just such an old fashioned way of looking at business. And I knew I was in for hell with this a new investor when that happened and I was and um and I think it's uh, you know a big part of my book is about how do you define personally define success and Thomas and I for a long time felt like unsuccessful people we felt we'd lost our identity we had failed and all of these very self-destructive words but actually when we looked at what was what is our definition of success it's not all about money and also my ambitions before I started Academy were not to be a unicorn or globally known or be very wealthy. It's not one of my major drivers. I have no, I want a comfortable life and I wanted to educate my children well, and that takes enough money, but I'm not needing to show my wealth. I don't need, I don't need wealth that is obvious or unnecessary. And I think a lot of us create more pressures on us through that um and so it was also a you know it was also redefining and and as there's a little story which i don't know how much time we've got left but no, go ahead. I'd, love, I'd love to share yeah i heard on radio 4 a brilliant program about 5 years ago and it was a neuroscientist was doing a talk and he brought somebody up from the audience and he said and um here i just want to give you 20 pounds and this person said wow thank you so much and they said in fact i want to give you 30 and anyway, by the end of it, he'd given her 70. And then he said, oh, we'll go and sit down. And as she was going to sit down and she hadn't had to do anything, no work for it or anything, no pursuit. As she sat down, I was going down the stairs to the back to sit down. He said, actually, just realized, made a mistake. Can I have 20 back? So she went back and sat down with 50. But at one point she had had 70 and he studied this with her and said, you know, your dopamine went way up. And now suddenly you feel loss, not gain. And I heard that and I thought, actually, I never had the desire. Something had put me on this wealth and high identity. Because at one point we were valued at 60 million pounds. So, uh, you know, and we Barclays were going to buy us at one point as well. So there's all sorts of journeys we had gone on where we were going to have a huge amount of money. And I then thought, actually, that was never me anyway at 33 when I started. I wasn't expecting I didn't desire that level of wealth anyway. And so it was about redefining your values. How do you want to live your life? The type of clients you want to live. And that's when Thomas and I thought, you know, Academy, we were the loneliest people in Academy because we couldn't connect and we couldn't, we didn't have time to, and we'd walk down London tube stations and people come up and ask for selfies because we were a bit, you know, we were often on, we were on the front page of newspapers sometimes. And, things. Yep. I and well, there was this illusion of us and then we said, no, we, let's go back to community, but actually do it just with 100 really great people and know them really well and love them. And the whole sense of community is about love and connection and support. And and then so I think at the other side of anybody's journey that's listening to this, you just have to redefine 
your success. And I was, you know, I think in my lifetime, I've been a great success, but not necessarily the financial success that some people would judge us by. Well, and I, I love that, Penny. I think the um, that message around looking at really what you count as success and making sure that you're aligned to that is so important. Um, if I, <laughs> I think about some of the experiences of other people that we've had on the podcast and, and friends of mine, etc., I think that's such a um, <laughs> painfully late realization is one of those things where you kind of go, oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> I've been judging myself against a yardstick that I'm not interested in. Um, you know, I've been yeah. I've been judging myself by other people's assessments of whether I'm successful or not. And yet we don't have aligned values. And I think that that's so important. And as you say, as soon as you start to look at your journey and look and, and align that against your values, like which some of which you've shared, you know, um, your values around building communities and doing what you what you said you're going to do and making sure that you pay people back and so on. Like those are things you've been excelling in all the way through that journey. And the fact that I've married 33 years and we still laugh in bed together about things and and our three kids, you know, I'm, I just think, I think we have to be realistic. And also what I find really interesting is those, there's often a greater energy around the fear of loss when you have something yeah, than the fear of the gain when you don't. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm 59 now. I want to work till I die. I love my work. I feel so privileged by it. And I'm in pursuit and pursuit. Being in pursuit of something is what keeps you young and alive and excited and relevant. And um, and I know and I love the fact I've got time for my clients. And I, and yeah, so I know I don't want to suppress anyone's ambitions. And wow, if there are people listening to this that are just going crazy success, wonderful. But let's just make sure that it's not at the expense of some of your deeper values. Indeed, indeed. And of course, it's funny that you even say, um, oh, some people listen to this having crazy success. But of course, it's still all relative, right? Like I know people who have built businesses and have gone from, you know, 10 people to 50 people in really short periods of time which by most people's definition like oh wow if i could have a business that would grow like that that would be amazing that'd be successful and yet i know from speaking to them that they're not enjoying it that it's affecting their health that's affecting their relationships it's killing every other part of them so we have to even be careful about like looking at that going oh brilliant you know that fantastic success because it's it's all relative and uh, depends on what else is going on in, in is, your life. Right? In, t- um, in, in 2001, I wrote a blog called Emotional Wealth Leads to Financial Wealth. And what I find, so communities work very differently to networks. In fact, I've just been doing some posts on the lone wolf, the pack animal and the super pack animal. And communities are about being a super pack animal. Very different. The lone wolf, obviously, we know what that is. You know, they're hunting on their own. Pack animal hunts in groups, but they're still looking for the hunt. And a super pack animal is much more, um, that's much more foresaw of sight. They they pivot. They have emotional intelligence. They have emotional connections with people. And um, when I look at the members that join us, and some of them are in challenging positions. You know, they may be left corporate and they're reestablishing themselves as an expert, or they've got gone through an exit, and it you know it could be good, it couldn't be, but they've lost some identity, or they can be an expert that's still on that journey to be able to find a really strong cash flow. 
when they come into a community um, where everybody is very honest and open with each other and they get the nurturing and the vulnerabilities of others and the key things about community is you feel significant as a person, which is a human need, and you get the sense of contribution where you can contribute to others and you can um, receive contribution and plus other, obviously, emotional needs that we have. So, yeah, I think that there is a big change happening in the world and for me... It excites me hugely because I think we've become a very lonely. Ex mm. People have become lone wolves. That's what people have come. It's not natural, and they've become. You know, the world went to broadcast, and now there is definitely a shift towards deep conversations, looking for real people, um, and that excites me because I am. My whole thing is about how do I connect hearts in business, and now I feel, if I was thirty three now. Well, I'd build a unicorn because people want what I want. I want to do. Yeah. That's awesome, and uh, I, I one hundred percent will uh, completely challenge that assumption that you could now go on to build a unicorn. Uh, right, you, you, you do not need thirty years to do it, Penny. Uh, <laughs> remind reminds me of the um, uh, the classic story of uh, when Pablo Picasso uh, was uh, in the square in. Uh, probably Paris or something and someone asked him to do a, a picture of them and he did it in about 15 seconds he does this picture and he says you know that'll be whatever it is 50 francs and they said 50 francs like it only took you like you know less than a minute and he said no it took me 30 years yeah and uh it reminds me that the your ability to build and create uh increases over time um uh, rather than decreases so uh yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm I'm looking well, forward wisdom, to the next an asset. That's why I think in the UK and beyond, they're realizing that we need to get people working longer. Because there's so that's very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot more coming from the uh, the power duo yet. I, uh, I believe. <laughs> that's so, yeah. very kind of um, you. Speaking of, there's various uh, projects and, and businesses that you are involved in and, and great things that you've uh, been doing. Uh, I know that you, uh, with uh, with Thomas, you're running mastermind groups together uh, via Social yeah. Power. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then also. And then Sorry, there's the Community Bit 100, um, which we started in October 20. And it was when people started to really ask for community, obviously yeah. um, promoted by the fact that we were all in COVID at that time. Yeah. And then we do some consulting with um, some clients on helping them build engagement with through community, either with clients or um, internally with their staff, because quiet quitting is quite a big challenge. So and it's um, it's really quite life changing when the light bulb goes on for people about community. And it doesn't take a lot to really teach and train and coach people because it is so natural to us all to be in communities. Um so, uh, yeah, it's really fun. I love it. Fantastic. Love that, Penny. So uh, for people that would like to learn more, I mean, I'd highly recommend that people uh, check out your book, Business oh. is Personal. Um, and, uh, of course, there's also uh, your website, which people can check out, pennypower.co.uk. Uh, any other ways in which you'd like people to connect with you? Well, um, one of the ways we bit BIP 100, um, because people can connect with us there and book in, um, and and have a chat with us and you know thomas and i have huge heart for anybody that is going through challenges you know we're not going to be transactional with people that's not what somebody in a super pack does um you know I, but you know there are connections that we've got and advice that we can give and also just calm people's nervous systems down 
So if anybody is listening to this and they're finding things tough, um, you know, they can read chapter two of my book. I can send chapter two of a book as, as a PDF. It's called Being Broken and it will give them a lot of hope. And um, yeah, so if I can help anybody, I'd be delighted to. I can't bear people being in pain. Oh, love that. Thank you so much, Penny. I really, really appreciate you sharing sharing those and being such a, a giving person. It's oh. uh, it's super inspiring oh. uh, and has been for, for many years. So thank oh, you for thank you, thank you for being you and thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Cool. Well, for any uh, for people listening, I'm sure you'll have got huge value from the advice that Penny uh, has shared. I highly recommend that you check out our book and the various links. Um, some of you will know that. Uh, Paddy and I uh, have also written a guide for business leaders on improving cash flow uh, that includes a long list and some detail around the processes that you might want to consider implementing in your business to help give you transparency on your cash flow, to help make sure that you're managing all the way through. Because uh, that's one of the things that I've been learning through uh, various interviews with experts like Penny um, and uh, and many others that one of the critical things you need is that trans- that visibility of what's going on in the business and and to be on it and um, yeah uh, having that visibility created in the background through good processes helps a lot to run them to scramble around uh, when when things get tough so do check that out um, other regular listeners would also know that I run a, a regular webinar on how to free up 15 hours a week remove the constant stress of running a business and unlock business growth uh, where the approach that we share is often described as a bit of a game changer for people so I highly recommend checking that out you can find out more and register for the next one at airmanual.co forward slash webinar uh, but otherwise if you found today's Uh, episode valuable if you found it inspiring if you think there are people around you that might value it too because they're in a hard place and let's be honest people don't talk about a lot of this stuff a lot of us struggle with even just the sense of whether we're being successful or not is a big deal for people so help them out. Please share this episode on social media. Please tag myself and Penny in. Uh, Let us know your favorite key takeaway or just, you know, share it out there with the universe. Uh, We know that it's going to add a lot of value and we'd really appreciate it. So uh, please do that. Otherwise, uh, Penny, thank you again so much for joining us and sharing your insights. It's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I'm going to air manual because I've got so many people that need what you do. Oh, thank you very much. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not the intention, but awesome. I know. Um, That's and, <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, for everyone else, until next time, have fun. <laughs>